What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron. We're coming at you guys looking so fresh and so clean, clean. Just got a haircut. We're locked in, ready to go, looking sharp. Today, we're going to talk through five trade targets. We have three buys, two sells for week 11 of the fantasy football season. Let's not waste any time. If you enjoyed the video at any point, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. All right, so our first buy here is going to be Mike Evans. And this is a little bit of a luxury buy because if you go and trade for Mike Evans, you can't put him into your lineup right away. He is on buy this week, as all the Buccaneers are. And I do feel like, especially if the owner of, say, a Mike Evans is down bad, let's say they're like four and six and they need a win really badly, I think if you're a team that is seven and three or better, you can kind of take advantage of that. You can say, hey, here's some players that will help you win this week. Let me get a guy like Mike Evans on the back end. And when we talk about Mike Evans, the reason why I like buying him here is he's been on a quiet stretch. He's had two back-to-back games of 9 PPR points, 10.4 PPR points. He's actually tied with Paris Campbell as the wide receiver 22 over the last four weeks, despite seeing a ton of volume. He has seen 10 or more targets in three out of four of those games. The fantasy points are coming from Mike Evans, and I love buying him low here on the basis of expected points per game. Now, when I made this outline, Rotoviz hadn't updated their expected points per game, so this is actually going to be PFFs, and I think it's actually good to take into account another expected points model and just kind of see what insights we can get from that. So this is PFF's expected points per game. X point per game is kind of their header for that. And it just takes into account, again, ADA targets, all of that, just based on the volume that you command, how many points should you be putting up? And his expected points per game over this last four-week stretch is 18.2 points per game. And he's kind of a part of this tier break where if you look at Hopkins, Devontae Adams, CeeDee Lamb, Mike Evans, and then you jump down to Jamar Chase, who hasn't played. He's only played in one game. Then Kirk, Mike Williams, McLaurin. You jump from 18.2 to like 16.7 to 16.2. So he's really, in terms of usage, in that tier with those upper echelon guys, he just hasn't been scoring points. He's underperforming that 18.2 expected points per game number by minus 4.1, which is the biggest underperformer of this list outside of, you know, actually it's the most underperforming person on this list, which means you should bounce back just fine. It seems like the Buccaneers kind of found their groove this weekend against the Seahawks. Points have been going Godwin's way the last week. I think, of course, it's going to bounce back. You'll get a massive spike week game from Mike Evans very soon here. So I think if you could sort of get a sizable discount with him going on by having two back-to-back dud weeks, not really performing to his full potential the past couple weeks, I think there is a buying opportunity there if you're a 7-3 and three or better team and you're just looking to add wide receiver firepower for the playoffs, especially a guy like Mike Evans who can just single-handedly win you a week with like a 35-point game. Now, we have another guy who's also in that same bucket of player that can just win you a week with a 35-point game, but he can do it at the tight end position. And we have Jordan, uh, I almost said Jordan Kittle, but it's George Kittle here. He came off the bye this week and he puts up a dud 3.1 point game. He had just one catch. He's now the tight end seven in points per game on the season. And if you drafted George Kittle, that's not where you drafted him to be. You wanted top three to five production, difference making production. And I love the idea of bundling like a Cole Komet 
or a Greg Dolchich, one of these like hot waiver wire names. I guess even you could even put Njoku in there since he's been hurt and he's like coming back this week. But you take one of these streamable tight end type guys, maybe somebody is buying the hype of Tyler Higby now that Cooper Cup's gone, and you bundle one of those tight ends with some kind of piece on your bench and you upgrade to a George Kittle because I think that he's probably the most attainable, like just below elite tier of tight end. Like Andrews Kelsey, you're going to have to pay up for. Kittle, you could probably buy for a reasonable price. And when we think back just to sort of what his game locks have been here, again, owners in fantasy have a very short-term memory. They see a bye week, 3.1-point game. It feels like I haven't gotten meaningful production from Kittle in a while. But before the bye, he was coming off of three straight games of 12-plus PPR points, 12.9, 21.8, 16.3, which is all great for a tight end. You also have people that are probably scared off by, you know, McCaffrey's there, Elijah Mitchell's there. There's just so many mouths to feed. Kittle can't be a reliable tight end. Here's the thing. Outside of Andrews and Kelsey, no one's in a reliable tight end. And what Kittle offers you for your playoff run is absolutely massive. He has the craziest spike week potential of all tight ends not named Kelsey or Andrews. He can single-handedly win you weeks. Last year, he had two games down the stretch of 34 or more PPR points. The year before that, he had a 40 bomb. And these are two years where they've kind of been down Kittle years, and he still gives you those weak winning games of like 30-plus points, 35-plus points. And that could be the difference for you at some point in the season. So if you can buy him for cheap, I think it's the move here. He also has the easiest schedule for tight ends over the rest of the season. Uh, that is courtesy of full-time fantasy. He gets... Over this last stretch, the Cardinals, Dolphins, Seahawks, who are allowing the second, fourth, and first most adjusted fantasy points to the tight end position. He has a lot of smash spots here. It's not going to be consistent production, but again, no tight end is giving you that. Uh, but I think the spike weeks are going to be so impactful and so meaningful that it will move the needle for any of you guys out there. I, I don't think this is really a, you know, a contender only buy. I think across the board, if you don't have Andrews and you don't have Kelsey, and if you have a, a tight end that holds some kind of name value, like a Dalton Schultz, like an Njoku, like a Komet, like a Dolchich, and you can just sort of get somebody off your bench to pair with that guy, you should go make that move. Now, we'll actually look at the uh, trade value chart from, this is from Peakton High School. Uh, I believe he posts these on Reddit. I believe he posts these on his Twitter. Kittle's in this area. I would, if I wasn't using these running backs in my starting lineup, I would sell almost every running back on this picture. I would sell Foreman, Zeke. I guess you could even, like, I don't even mind selling Rashad White for George Kittle. If I could do that straight up, um, and I just spent all my fab on Rashad White, and I could parlay that into George Kittle, I would. I mean, of course, Kittle's, like, at the top of this tier. Uh, Rashad White's not. So maybe you add, like, the smallest of small pieces on top. Uh, maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones and Rashad White could get you into George Kittle. I would do that all day long. Jacoby Myers, if I could add a piece to him, I would do it. Uh, Dalton Schultz again. Now, I just want to say these trade value charts aren't perfect by any means, but they're really all I have to work with in terms of bases for telling you guys what kind of area to trade. Now, of course, like these trade value charts can be wrong, terrible across the board, but I think that they're at least a baseline of what your league might look like. And if this is what your league looks like, man, I'm sorry. I, I can't, I get flamed sometimes. It's like, dude, that trade value chart sucks. It's like, dude, I'm not saying that this is the Bible. I'm just saying that perhaps your league falls in the range of thinking that the players are valued in this way. That's all I'm saying. Um, all right. So our last buy here is going to be Chris Olave. And he had a really uh, 
he had a really good start to the season, but he's now on his lowest scoring three-game stretch of the season, averaging just 10.1 points per game as the wide receiver 43 over his last three games. Now, why is that? He's still commanding targets. He has a 24% target share, which is fine. The main difference here is Andy Dalton has been bad, and Chris Olave has a 9.6 yard A dot. Prior to these last three weeks, his A dot was 16 yards. So if you have like a 25% target share and your average depth of target is 16 yards downfield, you're getting so much efficiency because you are vacuuming up targets and all of your targets are already downfield. You know, you're getting the one point per reception and then you're getting the 16 yards from the A dot and then you're getting whatever you can get after the catch. So, you know, you can rack up five targets, six targets and end up with like four catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. And that gets you a lot of points. Uh, it's tough to say why his ADOT has changed. It might be because Andy Dalton has been a little bit more timid with the ball. I think that they're dealing with offensive line issues up front. But I think the reason to be a little bit more uh, positive with Olave moving forward is the idea that Jameis Winston could be back. And Jameis Winston coming back would be absolutely huge for Chris Olave. This is a quote from uh, Dennis Allen, or this is a beat reporter for the New Orleans Saints saying Dennis Allen said he'll sit down and visit with Jameis Winston. We'll talk to the medical staff, etc. Said they have to do what gives the team the best chance to win. Said he has not made a decision at quarterback yet, but sounds like Winston is a possibility, which would be massive because Winston, we know, chucks it downfield. It would fix his ADOT problem. And on top of that, the weird part is that we see rookie wide receivers score more points as the season goes on usually. But if we look at the splits with and without Jameis Winston for this year, uh, with Olave, those first three games, he scored more points per game with Jameis Winston than he has with Andy Dalton. And the discrepancy would be even bigger if he scored a touchdown with Winston. He didn't even score a touchdown with Winston in those first three weeks. Uh, he scored 0.4 per game in those next five. But if you look at the targets and the yards, he averages about one more target per game with Winston and like 20 more yards per game with Winston, which is huge. So if I could go out there and maybe, you know, move a Jeff Wilson, a Najee Harris, a Zeke Elliott, and add a small little piece in there. You know, one of these just like stopgap running backs you can kind of just churn through waivers on. If let's say you have the luxury of not having to start any of those guys, uh, I would be into that all day long. Now, on the other side of this, we're going to talk about ourselves. But before that, make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. If you're out here trying to make trades before your trade deadline, I come out here every single Wednesday and I drop my rest of season ranking so you guys can go out there make trades and just see how do how does Ron value these players just to make sure you're not selling too low or buying too high and I have them all within tiers I update them every single week and on top of that you get my dynasty rankings you get my redraft you get my weekly rankings you get my uh waiver wire article all of that good stuff now when we get to the sales here you guys are gonna hate this you're gonna hate it Nick Chubb is a sell. And you guys hate when I bring up Nick Chubb. If he's on your team and you enjoy his company and he's scoring you points, feel free to ride him out. Feel free to ride him out. But if you have Nick Chubb and you're in a spot here where maybe you're four and six or you're five and five and you feel pressured to make a move, I think he's a fine piece to probably part ways with here. You can sort of split Chubb up into two or you could, you know, add a piece to Chubb and get a true, true difference maker. He had a hot start to the season, right? 20 plus points per game through like the first four weeks. He's still sort of valued highly because of that, which is why I would want to sell. If we look at the usage, it just doesn't really warrant the holding price here. Over the last five weeks, when we look at expected points per game, 
He is the RB18 in expected points per game, which is 12.6 expected points per game. During the span, he's been at 18.5 points per game as the RB12, which is fine. I would even say that that's great, but it's largely due to touchdown luck. He has scored six touchdowns or six rushing touchdowns, despite only being expected to score two and a half. Now, a lot of you guys are going to say, oh, but he's Nick Chubb. He scores a bunch of touchdowns. He's really good at football, and he is. And you can definitely pencil him in to outscore his projection. Usually, probably, like, he's outscoring in the last five weeks his projection by 5.9 points per game. Usually, he'll hover more in, like, the three area. Uh, And if we look at last year, he had eight rushing touchdowns. He was expected for 7.6. So, he's not just routinely completely overshooting those expectations. I'll bet against touchdown luck all day, especially when he's priced as a top six running back rest of season like if we look here on this trade value chart despite like still pretty honestly cooling off since that first stretch he is the rb6 here if you can find a way to add a piece to nick chubb and get into the saquon eckler mccaffrey business or the tyree killer justin jefferson stefan diggs or the travis kelsey business you should do that uh, if you also want to sort of like tear down and you go from uh, a nick chubb and you can maybe tear down to like a kenneth walker and a piece or something in that maybe a Ramondre Stevenson and a piece maybe if you can if you can tear down from Mick Chubb from like Amon Ross St. Brown and like a Ramondre Stevenson or Kenneth Walker I'm not sure if that happened maybe you have to add a piece onto the Chubb side but I think that you can arbitrage Chubb's points right now and sell him at a spot where again you are holding the bag on his price for production you can probably find at a cheaper holding price if that makes sense right Nick Chubb at RB6 can probably give you the same output as a guy like Kenneth Walker at RB12 or even like a Dalvin Cook at RB12. Any of those guys that are in that area, I would move off of him to get into that spot plus a piece or I would add a piece to Chubb and get into one of these elite difference makers. He has a tough schedule the rest of the way. I don't know why I struggled to talk there. Um, he's, a 26, he's a 26th best schedule rest of season. He faces four bottom 10 defenses in adjusted fantasy points per game over his last 12 it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows maybe Deshaun Watson comes in and it it revamps the offense again I just think that you can use the trade value that is invested in Chubb and either tear up into difference making points or tear down and spread that value across the board now our last sell here is another running back Brian Robinson now of course with all these running backs that they're going in your lineup if they're scoring points and you really need those points in your lineup Feel free to ride any of these running backs out. Running backs are a scarce asset. It's tough to come by these days, running back scoring. So if you're in a spot where Brian Robinson is your RB2 every week in a hero RB build and all you have behind him is like Jarek McKinnon, then ride him out. But if you are in a spot where you have like Saquon and ETN and you have like Rashad White on the bench and like Brian Robinson's like your RB4, RB5, go out there, make something happen. He had 14.6 PPR points on Monday night. And people love bell cow running backs. I would sell on that performance. He had 26 carries and a touchdown. People love when a running back gets 20 plus carries. He was out there, put up 14.6 points despite having 26 carries and a touchdown. The issue for me with Brian Robinson, he doesn't catch passes and he isn't efficient. He turned 26 carries into just 86 rushing yards, which is an awful 3.3 yards per carry. I don't like using yards per carry, but it's all we have. When the game happened like 24 hours ago, it's ugly, man. He is also had he also had zero targets in that game. He's also had just four targets on the entire season. He has games with 17 carries, 20 carries, 26 carries, and he still is yet to crack 100 yards. 
Jaden McKissick is on his way back soon, which will make this a three-headed committee. So I just don't really see the appeal, right? If we look before that 14.6-point game, you're looking at two duds in a row. He's never really, like, he's never even cracked 15 points in a game. Like, it's just like there's no upside. And again, people love that 20-plus carry number. Like, oh, man, he's a bell cow. He's a dog. I'd sell him. Uh, if we look at sort of where the trade value charts have him, I would sell all day long. If I could sell Brian Robinson to get into the Raheem Mostert game, I would. If I could sell Brian Robinson to get into the Brandon Ayuk, the Keenan Allen, the Corlin Sutton, the Mike Williams area, even if you if you need a quarterback, dude, if you can, I, I think that this is this is probably not going to be able to happen. But if you can turn a Brian Robinson into a Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, even if you have to add like a small little piece. I think you have to do that if you're in a spot where, let's say, your your quarterback is like, I don't know, let's say it's like a Geno Smith or a Kirk Cousins, and you want to get into that like elite quarterback area. If Brian Robinson can sort of squeak the wheels on that, one of those guys that has one of those quarterbacks, let's say they have Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, and he's just riding on their bench, boom, there you go. Now, that is going to do it for us today. As always, I appreciate you guys checking out these videos. If you're still, you know, watching the videos, subscribed liking all of these. I appreciate you guys a ton. As always, if you enjoy, make sure you leave a like, subscribe, and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. Channel, on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag up on. Rapper, song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Mean.